Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ, you are the Messiah. You are worthy of all praise and all honor that we could give you right now and so much more. So Jesus, you are the head of this church. You say what you want to say to us today. Thank you for revealing God to us, for coming to earth in the flesh and revealing the Lord to us. And thank you that you have promised to build your church. And so I pray you would do that today, that you would find this church right here, Hope Bible Church Ottawa, filled with people who are humbling themselves before you and hungry for your word, hungry for your presence, hungry for holiness. Oh Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. And so right now in Act of Faith, we just cast down our anxieties that would keep us from uh, hearing your word today. And we say, Lord, give us ears to hear your word today. Help us to be attentive and to listen faithfully to your precious word. And Lord, I pray that whether we're distracted from what's happened this week or the week ahead as we think about what is to come, Lord, we just lay that down in faith and say, Lord Jesus, you are the Lord. You are over this. Give me ears to hear what you would say to me today. Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, guard my mouth from error. Say what you want to say in Jesus Christ. Get all the glory. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, loved ones, so good to be together. You may be seated. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And if you recall from last week, we launched into our new ministry year. What a great Sunday that was. So thankful to be together. But uh, we launched our new theme for the year, which is Jesus over all. And we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And that whole uh, text really answers the question for us, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we saw so clearly from those six verses that Jesus is the Lord over all and that we must exalt him in all. That's like our big idea for the entire ministry or Jesus is Lord over all and we must exalt him in all. We saw that Jesus is Lord and he is reigning over all creation. I mean, just look around me right now. It's so beautiful and so comforting to think that Jesus didn't just create all of this and then leave us to ourselves. No, he's intimately attentive and sustaining all of creation, including you and I. We saw that Jesus is Lord and he is ruling and reigning over the future. Amen. Praise the Lord. No matter what happens in that election tomorrow, Jesus is ruling and reigning over the future. And if you're saved in Jesus Christ, it is great news is that we will be with him, bound for glory with him, but also redemption of all creation is coming. Praise the Lord. I pray that fires you up in hope and faith today, loved ones. And we also saw that Jesus is Lord and he is ruling and reigning over the church. He is the head of the church. Remember, that means the origin or the source of the church. He is the one who gives life and power and strength and direction to the church. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And apart from him, there is no church. And so today, we're going to unpack that further. And we kick off a three-part mini-series to look at the mission 
that Jesus, our head, the head of the church, has entrusted his church with and what he calls his church to uphold if they are to be exalting him in all things and see his mission that he's entrusted to us fulfilled in his power for his glory. And so today we're going to answer the question of what is the mission that Jesus has given the church? If someone were to come up to you on the street and ask you that question, okay, you're, you're a Christian, that means you're part of the church. Okay, what, what's the mission of the church? What would you say to them? What would you say to them? You see, and this is such an important question that we answer today and that we come back to today, no matter how long we've been a Christian for, because there is increasing mission drift happening in the church. That's a big problem. We look around, we see it all today. There's increasing mission drift happening in the church and in increasing numbers of those proclaiming to follow Jesus and even entire churches compromising on the mission of Christ and pursuing the mission of man, all while abandoning the mission of God. We see this as increasing compromise to the culture. Where, the, where believers and entire churches, they start to take on the attitudes, values of opinions of the culture and submit to its authority instead of Christ's authority over the church. We see this compromise happening by the increasing use of man-centered strategies, whether it's for growth or direction. And all the while, what we're doing is we're removing Jesus as the head of the church, as preeminent in all things, and putting man there. And what's the result of this happening? Well, just look around us, loved ones. Distracted, fruitless, and powerless believers and churches through whom the glory of God is absent. But I want to encourage us today with this. It doesn't have to be this way. Amen. Jesus has not just entrusted us with a mission, but he's also given us the means to carry it out. Can't wait for this. And here in our text today, we will see the one mission that Jesus has given his church and three truths that we must hold fast to if we are to be faithful in fulfilling his mission and see him build his kingdom for his glory. You ready to go? Let's grab our Bibles, Matthew 28, 16 to 20, and let's stand to honor the authority of God's word and let's read it together. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, the great commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. All God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, Jesus has given us one mission, one mission, and we must trust in his authority and submit to him. We must trust in his authority and submit to him. See, Jesus is sovereign. Rest in this today, friends. Jesus is sovereign with all power and with all authority. 
but will you trust him and submit to him individually? And how about will we trust him and submit to his authority as a church? Let's get our context right out of the text here. You'll see it in 16 and 17. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubt it. Okay, what's going on here? Well, here we are in northern Israel in a region called Galilee. You'll see it on the screen there. There's a map. And Jesus Christ has been crucified. Okay, Jesus has been crucified and he's risen again three days after that. And now it's been about 40 days since that time. And over the last 40 days, Jesus has been appearing to his disciples at various times to confirm that he was the Messiah. All right, to see him risen from the dead, to confirm that he was the savior of the world, the son of God, who even death cannot hold and who is king over all. Rest in that today. Amen. Praise the Lord. But we see here in verse 16 that Jesus had directed his 11 disciples. Remember, there's 11 now. Judas has left them. He left them in the upper room. All right, he's directed his 11 disciples to head to Galilee. And he would meet them there on the mountain that he told them, and they would see him. You can even look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 10, where he gives instructions to go meet him on this mountain in Galilee. And then in verse 17, we see this mixed reaction of what's going on. See, when the disciples do see him, you see right in the text, it says some worshipped him. Worshipped him. The word for worship there is proskuneo, and it means to prostrate oneself on bended knee. It is a posture of allegiance. It's a posture of reverence. It's a posture of submission. And so you have some of the disciples immediately recognizing who Jesus is and then submitting in reverence and worshiping him. But then you see another group of the disciples. Notice what it says, but some doubt it. This word doubt here, it doesn't mean a settled disbelief. Like these disciples are like, nah, I don't believe Jesus risen from the dead. I'm just settled in this. You can't convince me otherwise. No, no, no. It means to waver between two positions. You ever done that? You ever wavered between two positions? You're like, well, I kind of like this, but actually I like this. And well, this is what's happening to the disciples. They're hesitating. Don't forget, they're still adjusting to the shock and being overwhelmed of seeing Jesus ripped apart and killed, crucified for the sin of the world, buried in a tomb, and all of a sudden he's risen, they're still adjusting to the shock. They're like, what, what, do we, what does all this mean? And what do we make of this? And, and so there, there's this tension. There's this doubt. We want to believe, but, but we're still adjusting. But didn't you die? And, but now you're here. And this wavering between two positions. Now, why does Jesus direct them to this mountain? Well, because Jesus would be leaving them soon. Jesus is going to be leaving them soon, and his purpose for bringing them here was to give them the mission that he was entrusting them with, the same mission he's entrusting you and I with today as the church. And he's not just going to give them the mission, he's actually going to give them the instruction on how that mission is to be accomplished, the means for it. He's going to give them the blueprint of what the mission is and how it is to be accomplished. And so you see right there from the title of this text, look at above verse 16, it says the great commission. This is the great commission that Jesus is going 
to give them. Now, what is a commission? A commission is a mandated charge, but given by one in authority to those under. All right? So he's going to, by one in authority, it's a mandate. A mandated mission. Now, I want you to notice what that subtitle doesn't say. At least it doesn't say it in my translation. It says the Great Commission, right? It doesn't say the Great Suggestion. Does your translation say that? Mine doesn't say that. This is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. That means if we are to be faithful as a church, fulfilling the Great Commission is not optional. It's not a suggestion of, yeah, unless you come up with a better idea, unless you decide of a different reason why the church should exist, then you can go do that. No, this is the great commission. So we need to tune into this today because it hasn't changed, not from the first century to today. But notice something, before giving the disciples any direction of how to do this, Jesus declares his jurisdiction. Isn't that good news? He declares his jurisdiction, and it's going to set the tone for everything else he's going to tell them in this commission. Look at verse 18. Talk about jurisdiction. Read with me. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Talk about universal jurisdiction there. Look at this. The word authority there means one with unlimited absolute sovereignty and power and one with universal jurisdiction. Every part, every nook, every cranny, every piece of creation of the heavens and the earth, the supernatural and the natural, the visible and the invisible, Jesus has universal jurisdiction. Amen. Be comforted in that today. All are subject to him. Now just rest in that. And look around today. Does, does that comfort you and give you confidence as we go through this pandemic that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ and he's ruling and reigning with all authority and power and sovereignty in the middle of this pandemic? with all of the, the conflict that we see going on around us and, and the seeming chaos in the world. Like, how is, how is Jesus over all this? Isn't it out of control? No, it's not out of his control, loved ones. How about in regards to the election tomorrow, September 20th, as millions of Canadians head to the polls to choose our next prime minister? Does it comfort you that Jesus is ruling and reigning and he has all authority and he's working this election for his purposes and for his glory and that whoever gets into power is subject ultimately to him? Let that comfort you today, loved ones. Let it comfort you knowing that not only is Jesus sovereign, not only does Jesus have all authority, but he is good and he is loving. And he will only work out of the good for those who love him. Isn't that comforting? All authority in heaven and on earth. See, Jesus Christ has all authority. Will you trust him and submit to him, loved one? Right with what you're facing right now. The confusion. The chaos. The sorrow. The grief. The crisis the health situation, whatever it is, will you trust him and submit to his authority? See, 
Today, we live in a world that increasingly scoffs at any authority, right? I mean, just even as we go through this election, as we've seen over this last year, I mean, we live in a world that increasingly scoffs at authority, makes fun of it, rebels against it. And the idea of submission, just look around, is increasingly intolerable. Because the only authority that our flesh, that this world wants to trust in and submit to, is ourselves. Ourselves. We want to make ourselves the ultimate authority. But here's the truth we need to understand, church. Who or what you say has the authority will be your priority. Who or what you say has the authority will be your priority. So let me ask you a question. Whose authority will shape your view, your purpose, and will ultimately have your submission? Write that down. Whose authority will ultimately shape your view and have your submission? How about this, in your marriage? Who's the ultimate authority in your marriage? Now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you're not going to say, well, I'm the ultimate authority because you know that Jesus is to be the ultimate authority. But does your life reflect that? Do your thoughts reflect that? Do your words reflect that? How you treat your spouse or your children reflect that? Whose who's authority will ultimately shape your view in your parenting? Resting in the sovereignty of Christ bringing your kids up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're trying to do it your way. Whose authority will ultimately shape your view and how you make plans? In your job, who you're working for, what you're working like, the integrity you uphold in the workplace or not. Whose authority ultimately will shape your view in the classroom, students? when you're writing your papers, when you're interacting with your classmates or your professors, whose authority is ultimately shaping your view? How about this? Whose authority is shaping your view and what counsel you give and receive from? Are we listening more to the word of the world? Is that what we're craving? Our way, feeding our flesh? Or are we ultimately submitting to the word of God? How about us as a church? How about us corporately as a church? You know, as elders, I can speak on behalf of our elder board. We have given our lives. We've given our lives to steward the entrustment of this mission, this great commission faithfully in submission to Christ. That's why you walk into the church today here in this theater. You walk in, you, one of the first things you see is a roll-up banner that says our mission statement to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We've given our lives to steward that. Why? Why? Why would we do this? Because no, hear the words of Jesus Christ, no servant is greater than his master. He said it in John 13, 16, we submit to Christ. He doesn't submit to us. He's got universal authority. He is the king, not us. You see, loved ones, and the first step to living on mission for Christ is to trust the authority of Christ. That he's not only powerful, he's not only got all authority, he is good and loving and sovereign and working out of his love for each of us and for the good of those who love him. Will we submit gladly 
readily, fervently to obey what he calls us to. Loved ones, this is the, this is the first step to living faithfully on mission for him. See, Jesus has given us one mission and we must trust in his authority and submit to it. And based on his authority, we must commit to his mandate. We must commit to his mandate. And what is that? Make disciples. Make disciples. See, making disciples is the mission, not a mission, not just one of, you know, many, is the mission of the church and every Christian who's a part of it. Will you commit to this? To make disciples. Let's read verses 19 to 20. A. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, after Jesus declares his authority to them, notice what he does. He gives the disciples the mission of the church that he is entrusting them and us with today. But he doesn't just give them the mission. He tells them how it is to be carried out. And notice what he says. He says, go therefore. That word therefore is huge. Circle therefore in verse 19. It's a connecting statement. He says, therefore, based on my sovereignty and authority and universal power over all things, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. All right. Now, all nations, remember, he's not just talking about Jews to the to the disciples here. He's talking about the Gentiles, all people, all races, ethnicities, skin color, socioeconomic status, position, ages, whoever it is, make disciples. Now, we need some clarity. If we're going to understand this and commit to it, we need to be able to understand what Jesus is talking about. So what he means by disciples here, circle that in the text, verse 19, he, it means this, one who progressively, you never hit your, I'm the perfect disciple now, ceiling, right? One who progressively learns God's word and is increasingly obedient to the lifestyle that it requires. One who progressively learns God's word and is increasingly obedient to the lifestyle it requires. It is one who is growing in maturity as a Christ follower so that their relationship with Christ, get this, increasingly permeates every part of their lives. There's an increasing abiding you know, hungering for the word of God, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, walking in obedience to Christ in that unhindered fellowship, moment by moment, not just compartmentalizing your, your time with God in the morning and then you'll just go do your own thing the rest of the day. No, abiding moment by moment, hour by hour, in the workplace, in the classroom, in the grocery store, just inviting Jesus into all of it. You know, and what's the result of this? You're increasingly rooted in sound doctrine in the word, and you're increasingly growing in Christ's image, being transformed to be more like him and becoming established in the faith. Praise the Lord. Now, just live in this text for a moment. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. How daunting. You're, you're on this mountain, right? Jesus is saying this. He's just about to leave. You're still struggling with this whole shock and being overwhelmed. Hey, listen, how daunting would this commission be for you right now to hear this? 
How daunting. Would you be a little intimidated? Hey, you a little intimidated today at the thought of making disciples? It could be a little intimidating, right? I mean, Jesus has just commanded you. You're on this mountain. Jesus has just commanded you to be his instruments through which he will build his church through and establish the kingdom of God on earth. That's not a light thing, right? And here you are standing there filled with confusion, probably filled with a little bit of doubt too, like, uh, how's this going to happen? Uh, maybe some despair, like, I have no hope of doing that. What are you talking about? Because you got to remember, you say, what do you mean? The disciples, they see him raised from the dead. Hey, don't forget, loved ones, Pentecost hasn't happened yet. They haven't been given the Holy Spirit. Most of these disciples are still illiterate. They don't speak all the languages of every tribe, tongue, and nation in the world. They just, they're fishermen. Most of them are a tax collector or a zealot. Like, they're not, they're not given the Holy Spirit at this point. You know, they, they don't have the power to, to teach or to save anyone. And yet Jesus just dropped this here, and they're like, I'm still struggling with you being alive. In some... They had no way of fulfilling this. They have no way of fulfilling this. And maybe you're feeling some of those same emotions today. Maybe when you think about uh, fulfilling the Great Commission, you get filled with fear. Oh, sharing my faith and in the workplace and in the classroom. What will happen to my grades? What will happen to my job? And what about that relationship, that friendship? Well, what do I even say? I, I, maybe I won't have the words. The disciples knew they didn't have the words to go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so often we struggle with that too, don't we, loved ones? Well, I don't have the words to say. What, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? And and what about all this? And, and maybe you're there's this confusion of, okay, so what does the Great Commission being fulfilled look like in the middle of a pandemic? Or, But the darkness around me seems too great and it's just intimidating and overwhelming. Any of you feel like that today? I can feel like that at times too. But notice what Jesus says in the text. Go back to the text. He said it to the disciples and he says the same thing to us today. He says, fearful ones, Hey, doubting ones, loved ones, the success of this mission, this great commission, this mandate, good news, it's not based on your accolades. It's not based on your skills and abilities. But notice from the text, it's based on my authority. On my authority, go therefore. Based on my power, Go, therefore. Based on my sovereignty, go, therefore. Based on my jurisdiction and supremacy and preeminence, go, therefore. Jesus says, this mission will succeed because my authority guarantees it. In the pandemic, not in the pandemic. In election years, not in election years. In new facilities, in the same facility, when things look different in church, you got to do some things differently right now than we did before. Listen, this mission will succeed, not because of your accolades and your skills and your oratory abilities. Listen, but because my authority guarantees it. I've chosen you. I've appointed you for such a time as this. I have put you where you are for this moment for this purpose. And my authority guarantees the success of the mission. Go therefore.
That's good news, amen? And now you may say, you may be there and say, they're saying, okay, all right, so Jesus says we're going to go in his authority praise the lord but what does it actually mean to make disciples so we don't come become a church that just kind of spouts this great commission off but really can't understand what it looks like so what does jesus command how does jesus command us to make disciples well first off we see right from the text it's a life of proclamation look at 19 verse 19a it's a life of proclaiming that there is salvation in Christ alone. Go back to it. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 50, and I love that. In the parallel passage in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus is given the Great Commission, he says it this way. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. This is what Jesus is saying here. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, this may be a no-brainer, some of us, but we need to be reminded of this today. That word go there, do you know what that means? Don't stand around waiting for fulfilling this commission. The word go there means literally to move from one place to another. Move. It implies sacrifice. Sacrifice of time. Sacrifice of talents. Sacrifice of treasure. It's not saying, go when you feel like it. This is when you feel like, you know, you've got your oratory ability ready to go and you've got, you know, all your apologetic arguments lined up and no, he says, go. Don't wait till you feel like it. It says, it's not saying, go when you feel comfortable. Go when it's convenient. It's not saying go when you have every single detail planned out and you can control the situation. It's not saying go when the cost isn't too high. Go when you don't have to get up early in the morning. Go when you don't have to go to bed late at night. It's not saying that. Jesus is not saying go when all your critics are silenced. Our king, our creator. Just go back to the text right there, 19. He says, go. Go across the street today. Go around your dinner table in family devotions. Go with your children, whether you're playing Lego, whether you're out for a walk with them, whether you're tucking them into bed, when you feel like you have lots of energy to shepherd them and when you're just worn out, go. Go in the classroom. Go overseas. If I'm calling you there, go overseas. Go to the grocery store. Go make disciples by serving in your church. Did you know this is why, as Ephesians 4 says, and we'll see next week, this is why he calls us to use our gifts to serve in the church that the body of Christ would be built up. You know what serving is? It's making disciples. Every time you choose to wake up and come to church to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ as an act of worship, you are choosing to make disciples. You are choosing to fulfill the Great Commission. Go serve in the church. Go in your workplace. Go and declare that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish in hell for eternity, but will have everlasting life 
by repenting of their sin and confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Go, loved ones. Go and declare it on our lips and in our lives. Are you committed to go? Are you committed to go? Committed to making disciples through a life of proclamation. Hey, loved ones, um, let's repent of our apathy. As the Lord is, is bringing this to light again in front of us as a church, let's repent of where we're apathetic to this. People are dying every day and going to hell. And our king says, go. And just ask him. I want to challenge us. Ask him. Say, Lord, you call me to live a life of proclamation. Who would you have me proclaim the gospel to on my lips and in my life today? Show me. And he will. He will. Let's repent of our unwillingness and say, Jesus, I'm all in. All right? And, and remember this. You may say, well, this is scary for me. I mean, thinking of talking to someone else about it. Can I just, can I just encourage you, loved ones? It can be a little intimidating, can it? But remember this. God is not looking for your ability. That's good news, right? He's looking for availability. God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. One that says, I don't know what I can do, but I know Jesus Christ is in me and he tells me what he can do. So I am going to trust him. Lord, here I am, send me. Jesus commanded us to make disciples through a life of proclamation, proclaiming salvation in Christ alone. And secondly, go back to the text. It's through baptizing for identification with Christ. So salvation in Christ we proclaim and we baptize for identification with Christ. Just read 19 again. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for baptize there, circle it. This is key. It is baptizo. Baptizo, which means to submerge, like put under and immerse in water. And why? Because this is a symbol or a public declaration of one's faith in Jesus Christ. So as they hear the gospel proclaimed and they respond in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can't save anyone, but as we proclaim that in his power and the Holy Spirit draws them to himself, they are saved. They are then called to be baptized. Now let's get some clarity here. This is very important clarity. Baptism doesn't save you. You can see that right in the text here. Baptism doesn't save you or I. Baptism is not a means of salvation, but it is a means of identification that publicly declares one's new life in Christ through their death, through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why they're submerged in the water. Going under the water is a picture of his death. And I hope you're not breathing under there. And then you come up again as a picture of your new life in Jesus Christ, just as he died and rose again. And it is an identification of your inclusion in the body of Christ, the church. Now, I, I want you to notice something here that's very important. Verse 19, notice this. He says, make disciples, believe. And then what does he say? Be baptized. Be baptized. See, Baptism is commanded by God to be the first step of obedience. After one has repented of their sin and confessed Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, I want you to notice the order. It's not get baptized 
and then declare your faith in Christ. No, no, no. It's you are saved. You've made a declaration of faith in Christ and then you are baptized. And it is not waiting until you say, well, I'm sinless. I got too much sin. I can't be baptized yet. No, no, no. It's not putting off baptism or waiting until you think you're sinless or until you think you know more of the Bible. It's saying this, the life of a disciple is my king has commanded it and I will obey. Might be a little scared, might be a little hesitant, but I will obey. It's not based on my works. Salvation is not based on my works, but on his work for me and in me. On Christ's work for me and in me. Hey, question, loved one, have you taken the step of obedience to Christ through baptism? Have you been baptized? as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if your answer is no here today, your next step right here is to sign up for our next baptism service. We have, as you heard in the announcements today, we're preparing for our next baptism service. Sign up on our website, hopeottawa.ca slash baptism. And there you're gonna get a resource guide, a baptism booklet. There's a PDF on the website. Download it, start walking through that. It's called a biblical guide to baptism. All right? And we will be in touch with you and help you take your next steps with that. Okay, as Acts 22 verse 11 says, why do you wait? Why do you wait? If you have been saved in Jesus Christ, why do you wait? All right, so how are we commanded to make disciples? It's a life of proclamation. We proclaim salvation in Christ alone. And we baptize for identification with Christ. And lastly, you see right out of the text, we teach. We teach for maturation in Christ. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All right. The word teach there, circle it. It means to instruct, instruct, to provide ongoing instruction in scripture through our lips and in our lives as we model Christ likeness to one another. All right. And why? To see a person observe. The word observe there means to obey all that Jesus commands through his word. We don't get to pick and choose what commands we want to follow and which ones we don't. Just because some may feel harder for us or they convict us of sin, we kind of want to put those on the back burner. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is why we preach verse by verse, expositionally, line by line through passages of scripture because it's all that Christ commanded us. We don't skip over parts. Okay, why do we do this? To see believers increasingly conform to Christ's image as they obey him in his power at work in them. And we got to realize, loved ones, in the Great Commission, what we see right from the text here, the final goal of the Great Commission is not conversion. Mm -mm. It is conformity to Christ. It's The final goal is not conversion through Christ. It is conformity to Christ. Increasingly by the Spirit's power in us, conforming greater and greater to the image of Jesus through abiding with him and following him in his power. We can't white knuckle this on our own, but he has given us all we need to do that. Amen? And he will not ask from us what he's not first willing to do in us. That is good news. See, but to be a disciple, 
is to make disciples, loved ones. To be a disciple is to make disciples. This commission is not just for pastors or elders or church staff. It's every single person who claims the name of Jesus Christ. And question, are you committed to this? Are you committed to this? What is your next step? As you've heard what it means to make disciples, what is your next step? And I want to challenge some of us with this here today. Here's the truth that's underlying this. See, to do this, to make disciples and help others grow in their walk with the Lord, it means you need to be growing in your walk with the Lord, right? Because you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you don't go. So how's your walk with the Lord going? And it's not like, well, I have to get to a certain point. No, no, no. You start and God will bring and then you can help others grow in theirs too. Are you abiding? Is your next step, maybe just your next step is to make your time in God's word every day a regular priority. Not to earn greater favor with God, but to know him and to be transformed and to abide in him. Maybe for some of us, our next step is to be baptized. Say, I'm going to sign up. I'm a little bit fearful, a little bit, but I'm going to take that next step in obedience to my king and sign up today. Maybe for others, for us, we're not living a life of proclamation. We're not sharing the gospel on our lips and in our lives with our neighbors, with our coworkers, maybe from fear or just confusion or doubt or unbelief. Listen, listen, maybe that's our next step. Lord, who would you have me share the greatest truth of all time with today? And maybe for others, we need to be teaching others for maturation in Christ, mentoring others, coming alongside them. Look at all the children in this church. I just love hearing their little voices today. It's just amazing. Man, you don't think God is calling us to mentor them and disciple them in the ways of the Lord? And to say, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help those parents. I'm going to come alongside them, care for them, love them in Jesus' name, teach them God's word. Let's go. Our students, our young adults, our, you know, all of them, bring it on. A culture of discipleship. Who has God put around you to teach and model his word to in the home, in the church, and elsewhere. Let's go. Let's go, loved ones. Jesus has given us one mission, and we must submit to his authority. We must trust his authority and submit to it, and we must commit to his mandate. And lastly, we see right here, we must trust in his promise. We must trust in his promise. What's his promise? His presence with us. See, Christ's provision for us is his presence with us. I'll say it again. Christ's provision for us is his presence with us. Will you trust he's enough? Will I trust he's enough? Look at verse 20 again. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here's the promise, ready? And behold, I am with you always. What a promise. Circle that, with you always. I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus gives the disciples and us today the greatest promise that he could as we, for us, as we seek to be faithful and stay united in the mission that he has given to us. And what's his promise? That he will be with us. That term, remember I told you to circle it, with us means he will be attentive to, he will be in the company of us for every step of the way. And that no matter how difficult the mission may be, no matter how intimidated you may feel, no matter how fearful 
the thought of living out the Great Commission may be. And no matter what opposition may come against us, individually or corporately as a church, listen, here's the truth. Based on the authority of God's word, his presence will be with us right to the end of the age when he comes back and establishes his earthly kingdom. You know what this means? I will be with you always to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't do social distancing. Amen? That's good news, isn't it? Jesus doesn't do social distancing. And why out of all the things that he could have promised here, yeah, I'm going to promise you lots of money. I'm going to promise you, you know, big facilities and all these things. I don't know why out of all the things he could have promised, did he give us this? Because right here we see such a clear statement that in him is all we need. In Jesus Christ is all we need. See, Jesus is the provision for the mission. Jesus is the provision for the mission. If you have him, you have all you need. If we have him as a church, submitting to him as our head, committing to him in, in his mandate, listen, we have all we need. See, out of his presence, get your pens ready. We're going to fly through some of these. And I want you to take this week to look at these attributes of Christ and study them in devotion, in devotions this week and be refreshed in the truth of what Christ's presence truly brings that nothing else can give. Ready? Out of his presence flows the power of God. Out of Christ's presence flows the hope of God. Out of Christ's presence flows the peace of God flows faith in God. Out of his presence flows the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God. Out of Christ's presence flows the comfort of God. Out of his presence flows the goodness of God, the joy of God. Out of Christ's presence flows the wisdom of God for every situation we will encounter. Out of his presence flows the truth of God that we are to proclaim and speak the truth in love. Out of his presence flows the word of God. Out of his presence flows the discipline of God, training us in righteousness. Out of his presence flows the forgiveness of God and our ability to forgive others. Out of his presence flows his cleansing from sin. Out of Christ's presence flows his protection. Out of Christ's presence flows his assurance in God. Out of Christ's presence flows his provision. Flows our satisfaction in God. Out of the presence of Jesus flows the fruitfulness from God. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And out of Christ's presence flows the glory of God and all we need for life and godliness. And you want to know something really encouraging about all of this, loved ones? This is not based on our merit, on how good we are, but it is based on his mercy us and he is with us to the end of the age and has not left us alone see Christ's provision for us 
is his presence with us. We tend to think we need all these other things and all these to accomplish the mission of God. Listen, some of those things can be really good on the side, but they can never take his place. Christ's provision for us is his presence with us. Will you trust he's enough? Even when things look different. Even when things aren't the same that they used to be. And this pandemic has changed some of the way that we need to do things. Listen, will you trust that Jesus is enough? And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal savior, my exhortation to you today is to repent of your sin, turn from it and confess him as Lord. This is where everything starts. Submitting to his authority, trusting in him, committing to his mandate and knowing his promise, the power of his presence. And brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, those who've made that decision, heard one pastor say recently, loved this, your confidence in Jesus depends on your belief in the capabilities of Jesus. Look at that list that you just wrote down. Do you truly believe that he is enough? Do you believe in the power of his authority and sovereignty and attributes? Your confidence in Jesus depends on your belief in the capabilities of Jesus. Will you trust he's enough? And will you repent of your unbelief and say, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are enough, but help my unbelief. Man, we need to do that every day. I'm so tempted to run to these other things, but help my unbelief and turn, help me turn from my fear, turn from my anxiety, turn from who or what I've been depending on and trust in your authority and submit to it committing to your mandate and making disciples and trusting in your promise that your presence is enough. Amen. Amen. Knowing, knowing that through his power at work in us, he will be glorified. Whether it looked the, the same form of way we did things before or not knowing by his power at work in us, he will be glorified through the fulfillment of the great commission. Nothing can stop him. His authority guarantees the success of the mission. Jesus is our king, loved ones. This is our mission. You in, nothing to fear. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you and you have commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. And you've promised that you are with us to the end of the age. What a promise, what a savior, what a God. Lord, we submit to you and I pray right now, faith would be overcoming fear. Peace and hope would be overcoming anxiety and despair. Courage would be overcoming doubt. Lord, may it be so. May you look upon your church and stir up in us a great conviction for the great commission. Lord, that we would follow you faithfully in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond and worship with us today?